it's episode 150 or the 1st of October 2010. James, welcome to episode number 150. Yeah, that's our um, century and a half, whatever oh, that is. What a, what a fantastic day for On The Couch. Indeed. It's warm and sunny and wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so here we are, On The Couch podcast, and we're talking about what's new in the world of digital media and entertainment uh, with a sort of thematic twist, don't mm, we? Ian? We're going to cover what's happening in, uh, in the business world, technology, content delivery. Mobile um, stuff, there's always a bit of that, and gaming and possibly some other stuff as well. Absolutely. So without further ado, we'll try and entertain you for the next uh, 25 minutes or so in our one-take recording. So Ian, over to you. Well, Blockbuster in the business side of things, uh, it's not been such a Blockbuster lately. No, it's kind of busted. Um, Now, is this just a regular Chapter 11 where most, you know, US companies seem to do this every now and again just to avoid paying their uh, their debts? (laughs) Just avoid paying debts. Uh, Possibly, but uh, I mean, I think Blockbuster has been on on the edge of this for quite some time. On the ropes, that's the right expression. Uh, It's it's got 3,000 stores in the US. It's got 4,000 stores in UK, Canada, Mm -hmm. Denmark, Italy, and Mexico. That's a lot of stores. Um, And... You know, when you have anything that affects the industry as much as, as the way we've been mm-hmm. uh, delivering content uh, it has affected Blockbuster. Yeah, real estate is tough. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's I used hard. to have a network in Hong Kong, I remember when I was there yeah, ages right. ago, and they had to close that down. And that yeah. was with the move to DVD, in fact. Mm. You know, basically, when DVDs came out, everyone could get copy ones. So mm, um, exactly. they, uh, that killed Blockbuster. Mm. I, I saw an interesting article, not the one that we've actually included in the show notes, but I'll try and track it down, uh, that kind of talked about what had happened with a Blockbuster in a kind of uh, trying to analyse how it had been going over the last few years. And, and at every every time uh, the technology had changed or someone had done something on like Netflix came out, it they took them a good couple of years. Yeah, yeah. They took a good, good couple of years to get get their heads around how this new way of doing things changed how they did things. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I remember even a few years ago, uh, Blockbuster in Australia was looking at using set top boxes to be able to deliver content. Um, so they were at least kind of yeah. looking at that, the future. Is that a different Blockbuster or is that a franchise of the brand? Or mm. Well, it's not mentioned here, so I don't yeah, exactly. think it's the Unless same. They, they've already gone down one. the tubes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Or literally down the tubes in a funny <laughs> way. I guess they've got like the red box thing. Um, I always heard, you know, they made their money on the, the late returns, which of course they don't have yes. anymore. And, um, yes, it's all I guess hard. the brand might have been worth something, but um, not That's anymore. A, it's a great Ooh. brand, but uh, yeah, I think the way we consume content is absolutely changing. And the fact that Blockbuster is having difficulty kind of is a real signal that we do we do, do things differently these days. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It's definitely the, the way of getting a content. Have you got any further on your receiving content? Well, I've got a notification that Apple's going to be delivering, delivering my uh, Apple TV on about the 18th of October, so I'm looking forward to that. Okie dokie. Uh, and uh, I'm still waiting for everything else to arrive. So at the moment, I'm uh, semi-happily streaming Sky in TV. your territory of residence, is there a lot of content available? Uh, let me think. No, not really. Um, <laughs> Smaller territories tend to be low down on the list of people doing deals. That's the yeah. Uh, the it, is, it is very hard. So yeah. um, well, uh, you know, wait and see. Let's see how you get on there. So yeah, we'll see. Mm. Um, meanwhile, in the technology domain, um, mm-hmm. I thought this story was quite interesting mm. about um, essentially, you know, the, the more more and more powerful electronics get uh-huh. and you know there's battery life is a big issue yep. but heat is a big issue as well so someone yeah i mean i remember the first computer i ever got it didn't even have a heat sink 
and now the computer that I have has not only a heatsink but a fan on the heatsink and, and a fan lap, outside to get the roasters and things yeah. like this. You know, it's pretty mm. pretty um, amazing. So this is uh, I'm not sure this is from a I guess Ohio State University, and they've come up with something called. Um, Spintronics and uh-huh. then Thermo Spintronics, which I just think sounds cool anyway, to be honest. <laughs> it does sound um, but, but what the does way I can, Well, the way I can get they come up with some kind of new material, I suppose. Um, mm. I'm trying to work out. It's, it's some triple alloy of something or other. I'm just trying to see what it is. Um, which, uh, if you apply heat to one side, enables you to effectively form some kind of memory or something like that. Okay. Um, spin up, spin down. Anyway, so have a look at the show notes. But I just think it's quite um, it's interesting that people are discovering strange effects. Right, so they're trying to actually do something with all that energy that's at the moment just heating up the room and actually... Exactly, using it for mm. computation. And that's very cool. Um, so basically it would use... It's, it's heat-based computation mm. as opposed to electrical-based computation. Right, interesting. Which is a bit uh, weird. So um, that was one thing. Another thing I saw, which I think... I don't know if it's really technology, really, or mm. in the other department, perhaps, but I'll squeeze <laughs> it in here. Now, we're going to DB Mobile. This is, um, you know, inevitably, everyone's talking about 3D. We've got uh, yeah. this weekend in in the UK, B-Skype B and uh, Virgin Media are launching 3D services mm. um, to the public. Uh, and not to be outdone, you can now little company called 3d slide mm-hmm. uh, d with a double e that is uh, are looking at um an auto stereoscopic kind of sleeve that you could whack in your oh, iphone or so ipod touch right, inside right. it so it's, and it's got a okay. lenticular lens a bit right. like the the nintendo 3ds which is mm-hmm. also delayed um mm-hmm. and then you can buy content from them which you'll be able to view through that right. thing you must have to, like, you'd have to line it up to kind of pixel accuracy, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, and I think that's probably that's the problem hard. with the Nintendo 3DS about yeah. getting it really sort of super, super manufacturing tolerances. Mm-hmm. Um, where you end up with a very low-res, rubbishy thing, so... Mm. Um, that's a cool idea, though. So you actually slide it over your uh, iPhone and then you can watch 3D content without glasses. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I guess, obviously, the content owners would be, you know, we'd charge more for 3D. That's yeah, right. Small charge format. twice as much. Well, three times as much. <laughs> So that's, so that's kind of a new content, which segues us nicely into content delivery. I yeah, absolutely. Um, and I didn't know about you, but I was just reading up about you know these content windows mm-hmm. um, and availability windows, and how that's one of the problems with you know getting your content everywhere on any device. It's not just a technical issue about mm-hmm. you know doing the transcoding and making sure you've got the right DRM and discovering the stuff. It's also do you have the rights to play on that device? Mm. And you know clearly most people want to watch good stuff i.e. new releases for sure uh, and that's normally a bit of an issue uh, because the established release windows are set up so that the movie theaters get them first and then mm-hmm. four to five months afterwards uh, maybe the hotels will get them and airlines and then beyond that uh, it might go into package media so dvd mm-hmm. and then there's a kind of pay-per-view window that opens up after that yep. and then there's a pay tv window and it's quite finally, established. Yeah, and then it's finally, we go, well, finally goes on to broadcast TV, but that yeah. could be, you know, years afterwards. Could be a couple of years, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, so I thought this development was quite interesting um, where the studios are looking to create a new window, which they're calling right. Premium VOD, uh, where you could yeah. watch, I think, is it like day and date release they're looking at here for the same day it comes into movie so, theatres? Oh, right, okay. You could watch it at home for as much as $30. 30 bucks. 
Ted Rages. Yeah, showing soon after they run in cinemas, so that could be mm. one, even that doesn't suggest that could be like one month. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work because if I can go and see the movie in a theatre for seven euros fifty, for example, um, mm. even if there's four of my friends, then that's still I'm still better off going to the movies at that Unless point. Unless you've got a big home theatre. Ah, right. Well, not all of us have a home theatre like yours, James. <laughs> well, I mean, why not pay per size of screen? Well, that's true. You know, if you depending on how big your screen is, I mean, it's HDMI connections and on mm-hmm. PDID information, why not? Why couldn't you just mm-hmm. send that back and say, mm-hmm. actually, Mr. Set-top Box, you're paying per uh, per horizontal viewing inch or <laughs> whatever. Brilliant idea. <laughs> and they could also detect who's watching and charge you based on the number hey, of eyeballs. That's good. Yeah. That'll clear. work. Quick, yep. file a patent. Um, <laughs> James, I think you just revolutionized the industry. Oh, there. damn. I just told everyone on the podcast <laughs> as well. Shucks. Um, mm. What else is happening? Uh, let me see. In terms of uh, PS3 Blu-ray, 3D goes live. Uh, interesting on Blu-ray, um, I saw a demonstration of the Samsung LED 9000 uh, TV. Uh-huh. In a pub? And, uh, no, this was actually at, uh, at CTAM last week. Oh, yeah. And uh, it had attached to it a Samsung 3D Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the Samsung LED 9000 uh, TV is about, I don't know, like... Half a, half a centimetre thick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's very thin, very thin. Looks looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Picture's great. And um, someone handed me some glasses to have a look at the actual 3D. And I put them on and I could see the two uh, the two images still. I went, oh, that's really weird. It's not 3D. It's like the it's something wrong here. And then they said, oh, you need to turn it on. And the glasses were actually so uh, slim in terms of, you know, the normal um, active ones have kind of a big chunky sides. and yeah, like yeah, yeah. These ones didn't look like that at all. It looked like just no, almost normal glasses. They were that mm. kind of slim. Uh, so definitely a big improvement on, on the normal well, what glasses. Didn't turn the glasses on? Or? Yeah, you have to turn the glasses on because they're active. Oh, but yeah. then you turn it on, and i got to say, the picture was amazing, and it was... Uh, the was it in was, a kind uh, of a darkened room kind of thing? Or? No, just a normal, uh, you know, fluorescent lit kind of... Exhibition sort of space. All right. And uh, the the picture quality. Oh, just so you fell in love and then they said, yeah. hmm, okay, Ian, that's uh, 3,000 <laughs> that euros. Was, yeah, it was. It was about three or 4,000 euros. Like, oh my God. Mm. But the actual, uh, I mean, it was so compelling. They had uh, monsters versus screen, aliens. Was it? Yeah, was probably, it? it was very big. Yeah. It was very big. There was about three or four people just standing there watching this movie. I mean, and there was no sound. Because you can't jaws, sound. Yeah. Everyone's just going, wow, that's really cool. And they just stood there. Yeah, but then let's face it, at sea time, we're all geeks anyway. So, well, uh, true. Yeah. So, okay, geeks, but I, yeah. I went back to the story in question back to the story, here. Yeah. I've updated my PlayStation 3. Uh-huh. Um, can you do 3D now? now? Which is now 3D ready. But uh-huh. uh, I think the only 3D movie you can get in the UK is Up. Right. Uh, but I don't have a 3D capable TV. Uh, uh-huh. And I've actually, my projector system, I was looking at you know, 3D projectors and even yeah. looking in the projector market, uh-huh. unless you're willing to spend a gazillion, it seems, yes, there are 3D ready projectors, but they're only for hooking up via DVI or VGA right. oh, and no. two games machines. Uh-huh. And, and then typically dropping the resolution to up the frame rate. So okay. it doesn't look like they're particularly ready for TV. Um, no. But this article here is talking basically because the there's a hardware limitation on the PlayStation 3, mm-hmm. which can't really put all of those, because you can't do dual 1080p no. and still have room for your uncompressed audio. Uh, oh, really? So what happens to the audio then? Well, I guess they're having to down-convert it. Um, okay, so you... Right, so you don't get 
DTS HD or Dolby yeah. True HD. DTS or Dolby 5.1. No, you can't have True HD or DTS HD. The 5.1 is pretty, pretty okay. I think that's... Yeah, that's I mean, it's... You, you, as you say, your eyes are going to be blown away anyway. <laughs> it, is, it's, yeah. it is quite amazing. Mm. Wow, that's cool. So that means that the, the PS3, which is not just the uh, really good uh, Blu-ray player, is now a 3D Blu-ray mm. player. And, uh, but presumably you can get 3D games now as well. Oh, yeah, you? there's lots of add-ons to existing games. Actually. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. cool. So uh, I would really love to see some 3D gaming. I think that would be cool. I have, I've seen some, actually. Uh, the game, Gamescom I went to earlier on in the year, and that was mm-hmm. quite... Uh, and even the game developer environment needs to be in 3D. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so you could turn it on and off just with a Switch, but that was a bit right. spooky, to be honest. Um, mm. Mm, so lots of 3D action happening. Um, remains to be seen. I guess everyone... It's, a, it's an object of desire, really, isn't it? A 3D... It is. Display. I mean, I've looked at the prices, and you know, here in Ireland, you can get a, a pretty reasonable TV between you know five hundred and thousand euros. And as soon as you put three D on the end of it, it's like three times two or three thousand yeah, euros. Yeah, yeah. Well, the price of being an early adopter, right? It is indeed. One day, all the sets will be three D. But uh, indeed, now um, in the mobile space, mm. I guess you've kind of snuck this the the BlackBerry Playbook announcement in there. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of mobile, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, this, is a, this is happily a mobile device. Now, this I thought was quite interesting because it's, I mean, you've probably heard about the BlackBerry Playbook. It's running the QNX. Um, and what is QNX? Of, Do you know anything you know, about I remember that? QNX when it first came out. It was amazing. You could boot a complete OS and loads uh-huh. of apps and stuff on a computer from a floppy. Shows how old I am, oh, obviously. Oh, wow. But okay. it, was, it was like, you know, you had these masses of OS and huge mm-hmm. discs, CDs, DVDs, but you right. could still boot it from uh, QNX. So it's like a... The QNX Neutrino Microkernel, so it's a it's a um, it's an OS basically. Mm. Um, so I, I actually had a look at the video demonstrating the. I mm. mean, it was it was a marketing video as much as anything yeah. else, but the operating system looks beautiful. It mm. looks absolutely gorgeous, and uh, runs Flash and Air and everything else. Well, I think a lot of these are planned for early 2011. It's still quite a long way off, mm. and we've seen other, other tablets that have been announced. Yeah, there's lots, lots of stuff coming out. So I mean, that early 2011 could be anything mm. really, couldn't it? It's like. Uh, Any time between January and December. Yeah, and I think the, it's, it's quite interesting that it sits, they're saying it will sit with a BlackBerry, not a BlackBerry replacement. but a Yeah, kind of you a need a BlackBerry as well. So yeah. it doesn't actually have, uh, it doesn't have um, uh, 3G access in it. It um, it uses the actual 3G access through your BlackBerry, mm-hmm. apparently. Um, it's got a one gig processor, so it's pretty good. It's got a gig yeah. of RAM, a couple of cameras, which is good. That's and it says full 1080p front and back, which is interesting. Um, wow, that's Pretty impressive. So we'll we'll check that one nice. out. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I mean, it looks like a nice piece of kit. I mean, it does indeed. Uh, when you've got a tablet, I mean, you'll you'll see what goes. I've had a, a play on the um, Kindle as well, the new Kindle with the three G. That seems quite good mm-hmm. um, for reading books, but you know, the other stuff maybe not. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> let's see on that one. Um, so on my uh, iPhone, I you can actually download books in the same way you can on the iPad. Yeah, uh, but you know it's actually really hard to read a book on a screen the size of um, <laughs> an iPhone, even though it's a nice screen. Remember, I mean, if it's just if it's a good book, it's not a problem. Then it's just a text reader, and you can you know. I uh, I read the Count of Monte Cristo on my Palm Pilot back in the day, <laughs> and that's uh, it's a uh-huh. great book, and it was just very handy to have there. Mm. I mean, uh, so, um, mobile stuff. Have you got yeah, downloaded any cool apps that you want to share? Well, I did. Uh, I did try it faced. FaceTime. Oh yeah, with your bro. Uh, with my brother, I, it was. Uh, so he sent me a Skype message saying hi or something, and, and mm-hmm. uh, it turned out that he had Skype running on his iPhone four. And I went, oh cool, we should try this FaceTime thing. So my brother lives in Brisbane, Australia, 
and mm-hmm. I'm here in Dublin, Ireland, and that's about as far away from each other as you can physically get on the planet. Um, <laughs> so I had very low expectations because, you know, you use Skype. I use Skype a lot. Yeah, yeah, Skype yeah. is sometimes good, often crap. And, Ordinary. You know, yeah. Just blah. Whereas we, uh, so you, get a, you get a call and it does a little connecting thing and up it pops and, and the video quality is truly very good. It's so how did it work? Uh, you actually had to call him on his phone line? No, no, you just uh, you bring up the contact and just say FaceTime and it does. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I'm just imagining how it must work. So it must register your phone number with uh, some central Apple server and then it says, ah, oh, I want to talk to that phone number on FaceTime. It goes, okay, I know where that is and it must route it via. It, the, it must know the IP address. Yeah, it goes through exactly. the he hooks it up. And yeah. uh, so we were both on Wi-Fi at either end, but the, the video quality was great. The uh, the audio sync with the video was great. You could switch between the front and back cameras. And mm-hmm. there's something actually compelling about having... Uh, a handheld camera as opposed to, you know, the normal camera on a laptop. Yeah, yeah. That you can actually move around. So I could give quite... A tour good, of your uh, apartment. Yeah, exactly. I could yeah. show them around. And uh, uh, it hardly ever dropped a, dropped a frame, looked great. Audio was great. We could have chats. It was... Yeah, right. uh, I was amazingly surprised at how... So uh, you have drunk the Kool-Aid, as they would I say. I have. It's... Uh, it's not often you actually see technology that actually fulfills the promise yeah. of what it's actually meant to do. And this is, um, you know, we always talk about stuff. Oh, it's going to be great. And the reality of it is never as great as you imagine. But this mm. was like, it just worked. It was like, wow, that's cool. Excellent. Well, there but definitely, definitely worth a, definitely worth play. And it's free, of course, because when, when you, once you've got an iPhone, it's over Wi-Fi. So off you go. Yeah. Brilliant. So, uh, so games, James, uh, I, you've got a, a, an article here on, the yeah, I don't know if you've played Colossus. any of these games. This no, is, um, I have no idea what this is. What's the of, Shadow of the Colossus? One of the colleagues here that I know is a sort of a bit of a game game fanatic kind of guy, and he put uh-huh. me onto these games. Shadow of the Colossus and Ico were two of the... Uh, allegedly, they, these were kind of the pinnacle of maxing out the capabilities of the PS2. Right, um, okay. So as far as making use of you know, massive textured 3D landscapes. Right. Um, uh-huh. And... Shadow of the Colossus had lots of massive colossi, you know, big gianty things that you had to go and right. you had to go and climb up them and, and shoot them in various, kill them in various funny ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, massive, um, you know, made of stone or rock or mud or all this kind of stuff. Right. Okay. So they're looking at basically bringing these games, I guess, out of the attic and up to mm. the up to the PS3 land. Um, I guess that's a tricky one really because are they going to fulfil on the the promise, if you will, yeah, of, uh, and a lot the of earlier stuff. versions. And, yeah. and I don't think they were hits, but they were kind of mm. iconic. Mm. Um, mm. They obviously so. had a fairly loyal, uh, you know, user base. And yeah, they're I mean, just, I mean, more probably within the industry, isn't as seen as mm. being, you know, okay. really quite pretty, pretty hot games. Um, but they really kind of stretched the technology for the time. Yeah, for those in the know. It's <laughs> the, uh, the way forward. Well, that'll so. be interesting. I think there's a gaming is a funny thing. It's a funny culture, really, mm. because uh, you know, games are sort of part of the time as well beyond just uh, enjoying the game itself but it's kind of like uh, you know, enjoying the fact that other people are playing the game and solving particular problems and you know mm. all that kind of thing Although, have you done any of the gaming on the old um, uh, the game matching on the iPhone I can't remember what they call no, it no there's a there's a whole game world there that I haven't tried yet but um, mm. I must get into that and give that a go so I'll try and do that for next week and see what they yeah, what can you, do you've got a story here about gamers shunning stores for downloads what's that people? yeah so I mean uh, or is this just like Valve and Steam are doing really well and we're at the point now where 57% of all cash spent on PC games yeah is, uh, is done through shops 43% for download uh, so that's a massive change from only a few years ago where pretty much everything was bought you know, in a store, mm. 
uh, and now everything uh, is heading towards the fact that uh, people, now, is this people just love downloading. This is PC games. Easy games, that's true. This um, is PC games, not not console games. So yeah, but you can't get console games without physical media just yet. I mean, you, there's, you can. I mean, there's, uh, there's some. There's like the. I mean, both both the PS3, PS3 and, and the Xbox, Xbox have, yeah, um, yeah. have downloadable games, but not full downloadable games. I mean, um, uh, I think you can. You can do both. Oh really? Okay, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, there's still that's one of the problems because you know you're still talking. You could be talking. Um, 40 gigabytes of data. Right, so so it takes a while to download and you'd be better off getting it delivered in the post. Yes. Well, I was saying um, that the uh, in-shop sales are down 20, 21% year on year from mm. uh, from last year. So uh, I think, um, I mean, I actually wandered into one of the game uh, shops mm-hmm. uh, in London last time I was there and uh, I actually couldn't find the PC gaming section and I went and asked and said, oh, where's, where's your PC games? Like, oh, we don't sell them anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, whoa, okay, so it's it's all console it's all console mm. games. I, I don't know if I've seen a breakdown. I don't know the breakdown between console versus PC. I mean, presumably PC is now a small proportion, but mm. still it's a it's a homogenous proportion because there's now quite a few different platforms. So mm. it's probably set a fairly sizable size, which uh, is a very good statistic. It's <laughs> all that rubbish. Okay, um, nice moving on. Um, so interesting to see uh, way games are changing. So um, we've got a story here finally in our other section, which definitely qualifies for the other yeah, section. Now, we're both kind of fans of segways, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I, know, I don't know about you, but you know, if I go to a, a city somewhere mm-hmm. in the world... I, I always quite like to do a Segway tour if they've yeah, got if one. Yeah, if they have them, um, it's fantastic. I did one in Paris, f- that was great. Yeah, Paris was really quite cool, actually. And um, mm-hmm. I've done one in uh, LA as well, mm-hmm. on the beach. And I know Ooh, other, nice. other cities have them. Um, like, uh, but you have to kind of book in advance, typically, and hope very popular, book one of the guy didn't show up, which is a real pain. Uh. At least I didn't pay. Uh, anyway, a um, bit of news. Probably everyone's heard about it already, but the, does the Segway company owner dies after driving his off-road Segway thing off a cliff? Well, apparently, he just bought it like the year before. So, I mean, initially, when I saw this story, I thought mm. it was going to be um, you know Dean Kamen, the guy who kind of invented it. Mm. It's um, like they invented it as the, the kind of owner of the business. Yeah. So this is a British guy who bought it. Um, uh-huh. Clearly, he's quite a quite a philanthropist, and he thought um, that he'd uh, have a go, and he was, you know, living the dream, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> well, if you're going to go, then... You know, going on testing a experimental wings or something on the side of it. You know, mm. That would be far more cool, wouldn't it? But, uh, yeah, I, I think it was just misadventure, basically. I think it was, but uh, it makes for a great story, doesn't it? Yeah, and good publicity? Who knows? Good or bad? I'm not Probably really sure. Not, I think, yeah. Um, in the show notes, you'll see it's one of these ones with chunky tyres. It um, looks great. I mean, looks, I mean, the, the thing about the, the ordinary Segways is it is kind of, they, they've got on flat surfaces, like, you know, airport terminals or whatever, but mm. outside they're on, on kind of rough ground. But that one looks great. It is, yeah, going up and down hills and curbs and stuff is a bit, I remember getting this um, safety lecture in, in California, as only you mm-hmm. could, and it was like, very little stickman drawings of everyone falling off and dying. It was like, don't do this, don't do that. It was, it was um, uh, quite wild. But yeah, I mean, Segways, if they were cheap, I'd probably get one. Well, that's the thing. Um, I think the, the, where they missed out on there is the, is the cost. By the time you spent $5,000 or whatever it was on one, then you could have bought a car. Is that because it's got all the alien technology inside? Mm. Probably. 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 No? The Skynet tax. Yeah. Um, so... Brilliant. Um, well, if anyone's got any comments on our comments, we'd love to hear from you, don't we? Yeah, do send us a note at uh, feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. 
Yeah. So do tell your friends. Write a review on iTunes. We'd love to get uh, anything, good or bad. All reviews are well received. Indeed. And, uh, we'll be back in episode 151 in a week or so. And Looking forward uh, to talking to you then. Yes. And until that time, it's goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from me, Ian. Cheers. Bye. This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by EmbeddedAdventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with.